Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 89 of the Big Cruise Podcast. My name is Baz, I'm your host, and it is with great pleasure that we bring you the latest episode. And even more excitingly, uh, myself and Chris have been able to uh, get our schedules to work out, and uh, Chris will be joining me in just a second to deliver the latest in maritime history and, of course, all of the latest cruise news. So let's not waste too much time. In fact, let's get straight into it. Here's a little sting music, and I'll be back with Chris in just a moment. not uh, Thursday, it's not even Friday. In fact, it is Sunday. We're recording this a little bit later, but that's the only way we could get the schedules to uh, to work out. Chris Frame, welcome back to the show, mate. Yes, and we've made good on our promise to the listeners that we actually are doing a podcast together for the first time this year, so it's great to be back, <laughs> and it's nice to... Uh, to see you, Barry, down the lens of a, uh, of a, of a Zoom meeting, but that's okay. <laughs> we'll do what we can. And uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, we might be able to actually meet up in person next week um, uh, for the stars, the podcast stars all align for us. <laughs> now, Chris, we had a listener question, which I did send through to you. Um, so we're going to start off with the, the listener question as part of Maritime History. Yes, James from Auckland sent in a great question around uh, White Star Line uh, in reference to Titanic and her sister. Um, he wanted to know, was it just the two ships that they built and uh, why did they not continue with a third or fourth even? Ah, yes, a good question, James. Um, so the Titanic was part of the Olympic class of liners and the class uh, was so named because Olympic was the first one constructed. Mm-hmm. And the original idea was to build three of these ships. And three was a good number at that stage on the North Atlantic because they were the White Star's premier transatlantic liners, the express liners. Mm-hmm. Um, and you needed three ships to operate a weekly departure with the way that the ship's speed was at the time. Yep. So you'll see that there's quite often these kind of clusters of three ships in that sort of 1900 through to about the 1920s period. Um, where they utilize the three vessels to try and in- 
allow for that weekly departure from each of the different ports. The reason why it took a little bit longer um, for the for the ships than what it did later in the story of the transatlantic line is firstly the, the ships had a maximum speed um, of around about the sort of the 21 knot mark but there was also the the effort that needed to go into recoaling them they were coal powered mm-hmm. ships so white star um, built three of these ships in, at the end the original uh, plan was for, for was for three but they were going to put two into service first and then the third one was going to follow a little bit later on um, so there was Olympic, which was um, went into service in 1911. So she was the first one. And actually at the time, and even uh, up until the, the, the Titanic disaster, the Olympic was um, significantly more famous than Titanic because she was the first of that mm-hmm. class of ships. She was the largest liner in the world, over 45,000 tons, um, 100 feet or so longer than Cunard's biggest ships at the time. Uh, and so she was... Um, I guess the, the one that was turning all the heads and getting all the attention. Um, and then Titanic came along the following year and of course sailed her way into um, uh, the infamy, books. I suppose, yeah, into the history books because of the, of the, the disastrous uh, first, uh, first crossing. Uh, and then the third one was originally going to be named Gigantic because Olympic and Titanic and Gigantic were all names from Greek mythology, the, mm-hmm. uh, the giants, the um, Olympians and the Titans. Yep. Um, and so uh, that was the original plan, but she had the same general design as Titanic and Olympic, and it was felt sort of post-Titanic that calling it gigantic, emphasizing the size, was probably not the right thing to do after what had happened to Titanic. So she was actually launched under the name of Britannic. Nice uh-huh. sort of um, tribute there to Britain um, with, with Britannic. Um, and so, yes, so the, the, they were originally designed um, – to compete with not just the German liners, which were very fast and luxurious at the time, but also Cunard's um, uh, Mauritania and Lusitania. Uh, they were supposed to be a step up in terms of lux- luxuries and class and that sort of thing. Yep. Um, and then interestingly enough, Cunard responded by building the Aquitania, which was both bigger and more probably arguably more luxurious than even um, Britannic would have been. So yeah, mm. groups of three. And then of course, when we get into the sort of 1920s, you start to see, um, uh, pairs built and then of course by the time we get to the queens um, in that 1930s era they're fast enough and big enough to do a weekly crossing uh, just with the two ships and yep. they were in fact the first ships to offer a two-ship weekly transatlantic service because they they were oil powered didn't have the big turnaround times and they were large enough and fast enough to do that but up until that point um, that econ- economically and uh, mechanically just didn't stack up so that's why they did three there you go. Thanks, Chris. And thanks to James in Auckland there for that question. Um, just a reminder, if anybody does have a question they want to send through, want to challenge myself or Chris, uh, the Big Cruise podcast is the website. And in the top right-hand corner, join the show. And that's how you can send your question. And also uh, a ship review if you're lucky enough to be somewhere in the world where you can cruise. Sorry, I was going to say, uh, Auckland actually has a really great maritime museum right on the waterfront there. And last time I was there, and to be fair, that was um, – just before we all went into lockdown in 2020, but they actually had a big exhibit about um, the Atlantic liners, including the Queen Mary and why that that class of ship was different to the predecessors, such as Titanic and her, oh. and her fleet mates. So if it is still there, James, it might be worth um, checking with the museum first. But yeah, go and check that out because it can go into it in more detail than what I can do on the podcast. Brilliant. Good news. Um, thanks, Chris. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in just a second because we've got a hell of a lot of cruise news to get through. 
again, just wanted to thank those of you that have supported us via Buy Me A Coffee. Um, if you're not familiar with that uh, system, it's a little bit like Patreon, where you can support your favorite YouTuber or artist. Um, we use Buy Me A Coffee, which is basically because we love coffee. Um, and in a nutshell, you can donate the cost of a coffee, about four Australian dollars, or multiple coffees if you prefer. Um, and in return, you receive priority access to all of the podcasts. So it doesn't matter where you listen to your podcast. If you support us via Buy Me A Coffee, you will receive an email every week um, just saying the new podcast is live and available. Here's the link, or listen to it in your favorite podcast. And uh, it gets to you about... 12 to 24 hours before anybody else gets access to it so it's a, a great little bonus there and uh, once again it's about four Aussie dollars um, one coffee multiple coffees you decide but every little donation is greatly appreciated and just a reminder you can find the link uh, to buy me a coffee in the show notes on the website and uh, also via the buy me a coffee app thanks in advance Okay, Chris, lots of news happening uh, around the world uh, in cruise news. Uh, we've taken the best of the stories, and we'll start off with uh, the first of uh, the cruise lines that has decided to uh, redeploy their ships away from Russia due to the events that are taking place in that particular part of the world. What's Atlas mm. up to, mate? Yeah, so Atlas Ocean Voyages are going to be moving their ships uh, basically to avoid that um, that entire region, as you can imagine. Um, so this includes voyages that are departing uh in August and September, so we're seeing World Navigator, for example, dropping um, Russian ports such as St. Petersburg, and they're repositioning those cruises up into Finland. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so I think this will be, be the first of many cruise lines that will start to do that, these uh, tragic events that are unfolding at the moment. But you don't want to bring a, a cruise ship into that region with, uh, with the risk that's involved there. Yeah, Carnival Corporation has just announced as well this morning that all seven brands will uh, will do exactly the same. They're currently booking alternative ports, and mm. as part of their statement, they said that they uh, they stand in solidarity for peace and uh, are mm-hmm. making this uh, these movements. And I've just seen some similar news uh, from the Royal Caribbean family of brands as well. Yes, yeah. So thinking to everybody uh, in uh, that particular part of the world, and of course, uh, lots of crew do come from that part of the world as well. So uh, mm. hopefully, uh, you you are safe. Um, little close to home. Here, uh, PNO have advised that they're going to be cancelling the Auckland season. Yeah, so I mean, New Zealand's in a very similar situation to how we are here in Australia. We're still some sort of ambiguity around when cruise ships will be allowed back and that sort of thing. So, um, because there isn't a, an agreed, I suppose, formulated restart plan over there, they're going to be pulling um, their 2022 uh, Auckland season. Uh, and so, you know, PNO uh, Australia or PNO Cruises in this part of the world does have quite a um, a strong presence in New Zealand. They've had mm-hmm. ships based there for, for several years. Um, back in the day, the uh, Pacific Pearl used to be, you know, home ported out of um, Auckland with their three new ships coming into the fleet. Um, well, the two new ships and, and the um, Pacific Pacific Explorer, they had plenty of um, sort of uh, scope to, to expand those New Zealand uh, voyages. Um, so it will impact on 21 cruises, Baz. Yeah, um, that's a lot. Which was, yeah, it was the season that was going to start in July through to November. So, yeah, big change for p&o yeah and uh we're starting to hear rumors of uh discussions at least around the restart here in australia so let's keep all things crossed for that mm. now let's talk about some happy celebrations carnival celebrating its 50th yes now it's amazing to think that because carnival of course has the the reputation of of course of being like a, new, a newish brand that came mm. in and completely re- revitalized the market but now it's 50 years old so um you know a lot of a lot of things have happened since those early days 
Um, if you can indulge me a moment for some for some maritime history, Baz. Um, okay. Carnival uh, when they first so it was a, it was of course the 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 idea of uh, Ted Arison, mm-hmm. uh, who was the the father of Mickey Arison, who's still the current chairman, I believe, of of Carnival. Yep. Um, Ted uh, had bought a um, an old uh, retired ocean liner and had it converted into their first ship, the Mardi Gras. Um, it was advertised as the flagship of the Golden Fleet. Um, of course, there was only one ship, so there wasn't really much of a fleet to speak of. And, and on her maiden voyage, she ran aground. Um, and yet, they weren't um, put off. They, they obviously had a very strong vision. And, of course, Carnival now has um, you know, it's not just a cruise line. Carnival Cruise Line is obviously celebrating the 50th birthday. But um, a Carnival Cruise Line morphed into Carnival Corporation, which owns most of your favorite brands, I could say, maybe. You know, um, Cunard, uh, Seaborn, Costa, P&O, Princess, p Australia, yeah. uh, Aida. There's just the list, uh, Holland America, the list is really long uh, of brands that are associated there. So happy 50th. Um, but for Carnival Cruise Line's perspective, which of course is still the, um, I suppose, the 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 heart in the middle of all of that, that um, corporation there with, with Carnival. Um, they're also uh, busy with uh, not just celebrations, but also um, preparing uh, their future guests for a first look at their next ship as well. So a lot of work's yeah. going on at the moment in Carnival in terms of um, how they're going to, to do their 50th birthday and then also bring in the next one, Carnival Celebration. Yeah, exactly. Uh, quite a bit of information about that particular ship um, in the show notes there. If you, people are wanting to have a look about uh, the the ultimate playground, the summer landing in Lido, and much, much more information uh, for that particular ship. Now, mm. I just had a, something just popped into my head, and I don't know why I know this, but I believe Mickey Arison was actually a bartender on that first ship that uh, struck the sandbar. Was he? Okay, yeah. I did not know that. So there we go, a little bit of interesting <laughs> fact there. If Mickey's listening and he wants to, to share the story with us sometime, <laughs> maybe he can call in. <laughs> but... Um, Baz, it's interesting as well because Mardi Gras was the name of the, the first ship and yeah. um, uh, they've now got uh, a new ship obviously called Mardi Gras. And then the next one here, um, Celebration, was one of the first uh, new builds that Carnival did. They, they, mm. did, a, they, did, a, a, they did one new build called uh, Tropical and then they built three in the, in the next uh, size up and Celebration was one of those. Um, and their next, the next big ship's obviously going to share that name, but she's going to be carnival celebration so it looks like just mardi gras is the one that's going to have that um, carnival prefix removed yeah yep. um, and all the others will, will retain that carnival uh name before the ship name yeah exactly Ooh, um let's move on to cunard and also closer to home here i'm sure this one's close to your heart chris they've announced that they're partnering up with matt moran who's obviously a great uh, chef down here as mm. part of the uh, great australian culinary voyage yes and uh, this will be queen elizabeth uh, who is which is still um scheduled to come back to australian waters when our cruising resumes here which is great um and yeah so it's a, a voyage that will be departing um in January of 2023, so next year, mm-hmm. um, out of Sydney. And Cunard, uh, as well as many other brands, but Cunard particularly uh, are well regarded for their sort of themed cruises around things like food. Um, they also have history themed theme cruises, entertainment, that sort of thing. But um, food is definitely something that's been a, a kind of connection with Cunard for a while. So it makes uh, good sense for the Australian voyage to have an Australian famous chef on board. Uh, and the, the trip itself is a just a short little five-night voyage, but it sounds like a lot of fun. And it will go up to, to Melbourne um, and then across to Tasmania and then back to Sydney. 
Yeah, no, 28th of January, 23 for, for that one. Mm. And, of course, we also have the, the Gardening Cruise, which is uh, still to mm-hmm. take place down here yep. as well. Absolutely. Now let's head down to Antarctica Ness. We've got some uh, good news from our friends at Atlas Ocean Voyages. They've just completed the first official wedding in Antarctica. Yes, so that took place on the 18th of Feb, so it's just recently when we're recording this, of course. Um, and it was, uh, you know, a, a very unique place to get married, Baz. Uh, the, not many people, I suppose, can say that they got married in Antarctica. Yeah, that's right. It happened on Danko Island. It was a 15-minute ceremony, and it was actually officiated by the British Antarctic Territory Registered Marriage Officer. Well, that was Remarkable. Mouthful. Yeah, goodness. <laughs> And you know what's uh, a nice little touch there is the, the cruise actually departed on the 14th of February, so it left port on Valentine's Day. So Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. A nice little touch there. Yeah. Um, we're going to stay in the expedition area right now. We're going to speak about our friends at Penant. Their new expedition ship, Le Commandant Chocot, has been working together with the RRS Sir David Attenborough in Antarctica. Yes, so then that uh, RRS Sir David Attenborough uh, is, is focused, or its primary mission, I suppose, is on science and logistical support for the UK's research stations in mm-hmm. the region. Uh, and so, yeah, um, they would, uh, u- uniquely, the two vessels would be meeting uh, at the Carroll Inlet. Uh, and so when they realised this, they decided to, to, to bring the two together. Um, of course, the uh, Ponant ship there has um, a PC2 hull, so it allows her to sail in those waters, uh, it keeps the ship nice and safe and allows it to have that... Um, that that class rating to be in that uh, that kind of uh, that kind of water and uh, that uh, ice area. Yeah, uniquely they um, she sailed backwards through the ice to to break it up because um, that was the, the the stronger or the, the easier way for the ship to be able to do that. Uh, but some great photographs online of the two ships working together to be able to do this. So uh, take yeah. a look if you can. It's always always nice to see the, uh, the, the you know the world we're living in now where it's so easy to get uh, sort of drones and stuff up there. You can get footage of most of the things that we speak about on the podcast. If you're interested, just go and check it out on YouTube and other things like that. You can uh, see what it looks like for real. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, Fred Olson has likes to tease us every now and again, and this time they're teasing about their new summer 2023 itineraries, and they've uh, announced two crackers, I have to say. Uh, I particularly mm. like uh, one in particular, but uh, yeah, we're talking on about Borealis. Yeah, so she's going to be doing a, a sort of a history and culture voyage. So she'll be going to the, through the Adriatic, uh, picking up many of the uh, very fascinating ports that they have in that region as well. And then the uh, that's in May of 2023, Buzz. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, in June of next year, the Bolette, which is actually the flagship of Fred Olsen Cruises. I mean, Borealis and Bolette are basically the same design, yeah. but uh, Bolette's got the flagship status there. Um, she's going to be doing an um, Arctic voyage um, they've kind of uh, positioned it as like off the beaten track locations, so it's things that you wouldn't necessarily expect to see on board a cruise ship. But it's a 23 night uh, uh, cruise, uh, and it leaves from Newcastle, so uh, you know it gives people in the UK market an alternate port there to depart from. Yeah, no, it's a cracking itinerary. I'd, I'd love to go and pronounce every single one of those places, but I wouldn't mm. know where to begin on some of them. But yeah, Norway, um, Iceland, Greenland, there's so so much cracking uh, ports and uh, scenic cruising in there. I definitely highly recommend that one um, on Bollet on the 1st of June, of course. Mm. Uh, now, some exciting news from our friends at Virgin. It looks mm. like resilient ladies on the move. Yes, she is. So she's uh, made her... Um, well, actually, her, her ultimate destination is going to be our part of the world. Mm. That's, that's exciting for us. 
Uh, she'll be departing the European market uh, uh, for a 14-night voyage. Uh, then she'll be going off to Dubai and then on to Singapore, which is sort of a 15-night segment. And then from Singapore, she'll make her way to Sydney. And that's when she's expected to arrive in Australian uh, waters, which will be in November. Well, I think by the time she gets to Sydney, it might actually just be in December. December yeah. She'll be departing Singapore in November of 2023. So, yeah. Um, so they're, they're only teasing us. They're not saying what's happening after then. Is she going to continue no. on? Or is she going to be I hanging know. down here? Time will tell, I guess. It's exciting, um, yeah. Yeah, very exciting. Of course, Resilient Ladies are the third of four lady ships that are currently, uh, mm. some of them, in service. Uh, the Resilience is about to come into service and the fourth has yet to be named. But yeah, those itineraries, uh, Piraeus, Santorini, Rhodes, Port Said, Cairo, Safagaga, Dubai overnight. And then continuing from Dubai to Mumbai, Goa, Colombo, Phuket, Port Kalang mm. and Singapore. And then lastly, Singapore, Banoa for Bali, uh, Darwin, Cairns, Early Beach and overnighting in Sydney. Cracking itineraries. Oh, sounds great. Yeah, absolutely. And can't wait to see one of those um Virgin Voyager ships up close and personal, you know? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Now, another new ship, um, Wonder of the Seas for Royal Caribbean, has just arrived in Fort Lauderdale. Yes. So, yeah, they're um, introducing her into the market, which is which is great. And it, I guess it shows the resilience of the, the cruise lines, particularly uh, Royal Caribbean, which has, um, you know, done a great job bringing her, bringing her in. Yep. Um, and she'll be doing her maiden voyage as a seven-night um, Caribbean cruise, uh, taking in... Uh, their private island there at Coco Key, which is uh, a, an island in the Bahamas. Yep. Um, and then she's going to go to Barcelona and Rome to start off a um, northern summer season. So, you know, that's pretty exciting. Um, and bringing her down into her sort of traditional US market for that um, inaugural voyage and then taking her back over to Europe is quite cool as well. Yeah, exactly. Very nice. Oceania next. They've uh, just announced their 2024 world cruise and a series of grand voyages as well, which look particularly enticing. Yes. So the, the grand voyages, um, uh, they, they span between 72 and 82 days if you're doing the whole sort of thing. Um, so there's uh, a Los Angeles to Sydney grand voyage on regatta, um, an Abu Dhabi to Tokyo on board uh, Riviera, uh, Mumbai uh, to Tokyo also on board Riviera. And then um, a special exotic traveler voyage from Papiete to Cape Town aboard Nautica. Uh, and that one then, that one particularly comes into Australia as well. So there's lots for us to look forward to down here, Baz. <laughs> After several years of, uh, of not much to, to see, there's going to be lots of ships visiting our waters. Oh, there's so many cracking itineraries in this week's news, I have to say. I know. Um, what are you next... doing in 2023 and 2024, Baz? <laughs> oh, I don't even know what I'm doing in March of 2022 at this stage, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, last but not by name is Lee Saga, who have announced the, the names of their captains for their two new river vessels, of course, the Spirit of Danube and the Spirit of the Rhine. Yeah, so there is two new captains uh, that are going to, well, two captains that have been announced for the, the two new river boats uh, there. Uh, there's Captain George Dalanica and Captain Marinus Poles. Uh, who will be working uh, on board those two ships. Uh, Captain Dardanica, he actually is from, uh, they say he's from Romania, um, and he was a first officer who qualified through the River Navigation School uh, and has worked with Saga before, so he'll be a familiar face to those who have travelled. Um, apparently he was um, uh, with them from 2013 through to 19. Um, and then uh, Captain Poles, uh, he comes from Holland, uh, and he grew up with parents who were working, uh, who transported cargo ships around Europe. So there's a lot of uh, history there. And remarkably, became a captain at the age of 22, Baz. 
Brilliant. Well done to him. Excellent news. I know, right? And um, of course, these beautiful new river vessels, they take only 190 guests. They've got 50 crew looking after you and uh, sail down the beautiful Rhine and Danube. And if anybody of the listeners have never considered a river cruise, it is very, very different from ocean cruising, but I would highly recommend it. Done many of them myself and uh, loved every minute on those beautiful waterways. Sounds great. Um, and that's all we've got in this week's news, Chris. However, something just popped up on my screen and I thought I'd just throw this in there. So CLEAR, which is the, the cruise organization, the kind of uh, governing body, as it were, um, they've just announced that there are 12 ships coming into service from the CLEAR member cruise lines in 2022. And I just wondered uh, which of these, if you could only choose one, and you can only choose one, um, which of these would be your choice to go on um, at some point during 2022? So in no All particular right. order, Emerald Azura, Norwegian Primer, Discovery Princess, Celebrity Beyond, Disney Wish, Resilient Lady, Ultramarine, Carnival Celebration, Azamara Onward, Wonder of the Seas, and MSC have got two. They've got the Seascape and the World Europa. Oh, I can't choose just one. That's not fair. <laughs> I'm, you I'm, have to. Um, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm breaking up. I can't hear, <laughs> I can't hear you. Um. Look, I think I – oh, my gosh. How do I choose? Um, I think I can narrow it down to three. I, I'd go on any yeah, of them. Of okay. course I would. But I, I think I, I'm going to go with three brands that I've never sailed on um, yeah, just to make it I, fair. I've also, I also have – well, I still find three difficult, but I could do that easier. So if I had to go three, Norwegian Primer, um, uh, Resilient Lady, and um, – Oh, gosh, now, do I choose Disney or do I choose Carnival? Um, I'd have to try the Disney cruises because, again, that's just remarkable. <laughs> but Carnival as well, I've never cruised on Carnival. And if I had to choose one, well, look, we've been talking about Norwegian Primer for so long yeah. that I think I would, I would have, to, have to go Norwegian Primer. But it's going to be hard, and I, I feel funny choosing. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? All of them, of course. Um, I'm quite taken by Emerald Azura, being a little small ship, and I quite like some of her itineraries. Um Resilient Lady is a given, or any Virgin Voyage, because I just yes. want to see how different it yes. is. Yep. Um, and then lastly, I'm torn between either Disney or one of the MSC ships, just because I've not done either of them. And I yeah. think I think personally I'd prefer MSC, but if I was taking the kids, I'd probably prefer Disney. I just like the, love the way that the Disney ships are themed to look like ocean yeah. liners. So yeah. I think um, one day would love to <laughs> would love to do that. So. Yeah. Well, well done and good luck to everybody that's launching those uh, beautiful new ships this year. I'm sure there are others that are not necessarily clear members, but uh, good to, to just throw that in there. Um, Chris, we are running out of time, I guess, for this mm. week. But mm. um, just from if you've got a video in your collection that you would like to refer anybody back to this week in particular. Oh, well, you know, it's interesting. The, uh, the references there in today's video about um, Titanic, uh, mm -hmm. not today's video, today's podcast about Titanic, um, from James, there is a video that I've got that is the Titanic versus the Queen Mary 2, and it kind of talks about the difference in design between the old liners and newer liners in that video. Yep. So I think because of the maritime history question this week, I have to give a shout-out to that one. Brilliant. And remind us, what's your handle on YouTube again? It's Chris Frame Official. At Chris Frame Official. Of course, the link is also in the show notes. Chris, been great chatting with you once again. Let's fingers let's get everything crossed hopefully we can do this in person next week and actually be in the same room um but yeah it's been great chatting and thank you once again for all your input thank you very much baz 
that's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skidt af alle de der podcasts og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt. Det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel.